Because you want to live in the forefront of your times, in ideals and in sacrifice, you have elected this. Live from Mad Rivers Boulevard, it's Paul and Ray! Hi, Welcome to a sun-drenched <gasps> Rachel Corbet Bay window scenario. Thank God, can I say, because the weather's been abominable. But see, you know, may I be the only person who doesn't have a problem with rain? You yes. know, look, for about, what, four months a year, it's 30 degrees, mm. fat like me sweat under the man titty. I'm happy if it rains and rains and rains. I like the cold weather much more than I like the hot weather. But even the most, you know, staunch of us winter supporters get to a point <laughs> when it's been blistery and rainy and shitty where you just go, I'm a bit over this. But you know we can't do any wrong in my book? Well, Autumn. Ah, oh, autumn is the overachieving season. It's amazing. It is amazing. Because you come off the hot and then you're getting into the cold, but it's not too cold. There's the lovely sun drench, the, the trees change colour, and mm. normally you've got to put a rusty nail in them. Mm, yep. Autumn is a delightful season, I have to agree. Is that where we've got? Yeah, this is where, this we've, is where got. we've got. This is where we've got. Years of friendship <laughs> together. What's your favourite season? <laughs> hey, on this podcast, we are going to be replaying a special old school dip into the Paul and Rach vault and replay our interview with Joan. Rivers yeah. from years ago. Can you believe she's passed away? That was so sudden. Well, it was that thing too where it's not a glamorous death in that mm. it's like she went in for minor stuff mm. and she's she caught something in there and that's it. I listened through to the interview today when you suggested that we put it on the podcast just to, you know, cut it up and edit it. There's and no pre-planning <laughs> <laughs> it just magically happened that we found a five-year-old piece of audio. <laughs> I forgot how delightful she was, how open and honest. And you think how many celebrity interviews that both of us have done in our career where you get nothing out yeah. of these chumps. Like you are lucky to get the details that you got sent on the press release <laughs> for the film that they're pushing. Yeah. They have contempt for you from the minute you walk in the door. Joan was so honest, yeah. open. We talked about how difficult it is to trust people in that wor- line of work, how, you know, there were times where she felt like she didn't know how she was going to make ends meet and all these things. And you have this conversation with your woman and you're like, you're one of the biggest celebrities on the planet and yeah. you're actually answering these questions with total honesty. Uh, Jules Lund, he tipped a bit of a bucket about celebs this week that gave him the shits. Jonah Hill, terrible interview. Rachel Corbett, celebrities that you've interviewed met that absolutely shat you. Oh, God. He just went... Please, please, get over it. What's his name? Was in Hansel and Gretel and in bloody Hurt Locker. Jeremy Renner. Oh. Really? You know, when he came in, he did not look at me. Anytime I asked a question, he looked away. And he was just an asshole. And then at the end, we said reluctantly, oh, God, can we have a photo? And in the photo, I have to find it and post it on our Facebook page. You have never seen a bloke who looks less happy to be somewhere than him. <laughs> you know, the, the best interview, hands down, and we will play portions of it on this podcast because it was so good, was our interview with Tommy Lee. Oh, yes. He was just spectacular. But he was cool, he was funny. Yeah. And he just was so up for the chat. Loose. And like we just let's have a chat. He came in and normally the, the situation with these celebrity interviews is you get bugger all time. Like I did an interview with Russell Brand where we got assigned three and a half minutes. Come on. Three and a half minutes. You can't even get hello out. You couldn't even get a bra run done in Club Cropo. <laughs> Nothing. In three and a half minutes. In, in three and a half minutes when you're talking to somebody on the other side of the word, that's just satellite delay. Yeah. You know, like that's <laughs> <laughs> That's all you get. So uh, when per we... Per <laughs> Like, what? Wouldn't that get 
Annoying him. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Just say good. Not everything needs to have nine syllables. Yeah. You know? I remember I was flagellating my <laughs> dinner. What? <laughs> it is so relentless. That's it. He saw Katy Perry nude and I'm slightly in order. Oh, that's true. That's true. So the point of that time story was that, uh, you know, usually... There's no pressure. <laughs> no. People have downloaded. They want to hear our chat. It's not I... a party. Nobody's being held up. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, we usually get... Sort of anything from three and a half minutes to um, maybe nine minutes. You know, yeah. there's never anything much more than that. When Tommy came in, he sat with us for 50 minutes. Correct. And at the end of it, the producer came in and I said to him, thank you so much for giving us that much time. And he said, Tommy always gives me the cutoff sign with, you know, does the old, you know, slicing I'm across done. the neck when he's done. And he said he just never cut you off. Wow. And so we had 50 minutes. I mean, we literally never in this business do you get to the end of your questions. Well, let's be fair. There were two high points for me. One was when you were talking about some bizarre sexual practice. Sounding. Sounding, mm-hmm. which is putting metal rods down. Down the eye of your pee Oh. Yes. Oh. And, and, he- then, and then the second was that he kind of signed your boobs. He did sign my boob. <laughs> but what about the fact that he also had a sex swing? Yeah, correct. That he, the, my favourite part of the story was that he has a sex swing in his bedroom and he said that obviously he has children and his children come in and they see the sex swing above his bed and they ask him what it is. And he, when he's not using it for sexual activity, puts a pot plan in it and tells them it's a plan hanger. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. Hey, Paulie. Sweetie. Notice I'm drinking tea from a straw. Oh, God. Mm. Okay, uh, let me guess. This is the teeth thing, isn't I'm it? I'm widening my teeth again. They look good. No, they look bone because I had a few sips of tea and I did it. white teeth. Lit, yeah, I know, but I like white teeth, right? I don't have super, super white I didn't teeth. I brush mine today. Didn't you? I feel bad. <laughs> I am going through a bit of a stage at the moment where it's not happening every day. No. I know that's terrible. I, I know it's awful. As an adult, Hang you should... Hang on, zero times a day. Yeah. Not even once. Yeah. <gasps> I'm not saying it goes for a week where it's just all fuzzy furry. But, but don't you feel like yucky morning mouth? Yeah, but, you know, you just have other things to do. How do you fix morning mouth? Um, oh, you porn? <laughs> Follow the guys on Twitter at Paul and Rach. So I've got some sad news. The Colon Hydrotherapy Centre has closed for business. <gasps> really? <laughs> yeah. You're saying it's not a long-term way of making money with shoving pieces of plastic <laughs> in somebody's bot pot and pouring water in, and then every time that the water came out, complimenting them on their release? <laughs> You're saying this is not a long-term franchise? <laughs> What's happened? Oh, look. I Now, I've been going to this bloke, Marcus. He's a dear, dear friend of mine. Really? Loveliest guy. <laughs> I don't think you can go to an enemy for, no, a, no, no. for a flush. That's true. Loveliest guy. But he's English, and he eventually sort of decided that he wanted to move back to England. His family's there, and, you know, his kids are having grandkids. And so, you know, he wanted to be around the family. And so he tried to remotely have the, the you know, um, the... I tried to do it on Skype, but I can't do it. (laughs) So I've got to go home. Exactly. But certain things made it too difficult. I'm packing up my tubes (laughs) and I'm going home. So certain things made it difficult to do it remotely. So he ended up closing up. He's going to open his centre back home. Was this in newsletter form that he announced this? Well, he did have to send out a newsletter. newsletter. But but he does love a newsletter. But sent me a, a text to say, and I, can I say, just as my sister was the last baby born on in Crown Street Hospital. I was the last ass flushed 
at the colon hydrotherapy center. Well, as you as you know, Rach, when one door closes. Hit <laughs> the guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. Just quickly, in addition to the fact that my wonderful, uh, I know you don't want to talk about this any longer, but bless him, when I finished up at the at the centre uh, on the weekend. Was there a ceremony? There wasn't a ceremony. Was it like a game ball where you handed the tube afterwards? I was handed a picture off the wall. So basically, oh. there were certain, <laughs> there were certain, you know, really, because he's. I know, know those pictures. Yeah, he's got some nice sort of art around. And he said to the people that worked for him, because he's not going to take it back with him. He's like, if there's something in the clinic that you like, you can take it home. And so he kept this one p- picture for me. He's like, I really mm. thought you would like that. And so. You seem to focus on it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the quality of the art. Exactly. So. <laughs> I get, I got this, but but I just there was just this moment where I was so touched by mm. the gesture. But I just there was just this moment where I was just like, I'm about to hang a picture in my house <laughs> that has had poo waft <laughs> around it for the last seven years, and not just my poo, like a lot of people's poo. They do an hourly, you know, Ooh. they do one person an Ooh. hour. There's a lot of turnover. For eight hours a day, seven days a week. Hang on, well, you're bearing the lead here. Was there an opportunity for you to open up a franchise? For you to, excuse me, you love, you love getting skilled up. Mm. Imagine Rachel's bum flushing <laughs> centre. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is. You thought about it, didn't you? I did. Think yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. Of course you did. Oh, you're the chick from the ring. Shut up. <laughs> Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Now, Rach, I'm uh, I'm more than middle-aged, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with my health being the way that it is, yep. uh, I think 36 is, well, back third. <laughs> <laughs> so I can now say this. Yeah. Okay. I think it is time for us to have a little chat that not all old people are nice. Oh, yes. Now, we assume that every old person who walks up and down the street is... A little old lady, mm-hmm. a lovely old bloke. Mm-hmm. But it did dawn on me that the shit of a kid becomes the shit of an adult, who becomes the shit of a parent, who becomes the shit of a grandparent. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I fall foul of this all the time because I have that default setting in my head that sees somebody who's got a senior citizen's card and thinks, what a delight. Oh, well done. Here is a person who could help me if I ask them a question. Mm. Can I assist you across the road, you adorable looking women? And the reality is that some old people are just <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. That said, while speaking about the world of age, we are getting old, Rach. True. And our dear listener, you're getting old too. Does anyone else feel slightly old that we are celebrating 25 years of the Magnum ice cream? What? <laughs> there was a big party. They've released all new flavours. 25 years since the Magnum came out. And I remember that the Magnum wasn't just the top of the range ice cream. It was like, you know, it's what the Queen would eat. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it used to work. <laughs> remember, when we were kids, you'd mm-hmm. go, okay, Paddle Pop Standard Fair. If you want to treat your mum, you go get her a heart ice cream. Oh, right? yeah. And those were like that. 80 cents. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. They were crazy stuff. Mm. Okay. But on top of that, the Magnum was sort of, Shit. Plus one went into the city for one because they've opened up those little sort of, you know, stores where they're trying to do... A bit of pop-up action. Yeah, a bit of pop-up action. And so, you know, they basically give you a nude magnum. And then oh, and you can build your own. You build your own like magnum. choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure ice cream. Choose your own flavour adventure. Choose your own flavour adventure. But Plus one said that there was a, a line of 200 people standing at the store. Free shit. But you're paying...
paying for it? Eight dollars. Eight dollars. Eight dollars to build your own magnum. Yeah. Okay, I've got another idea. Go to a local servo <laughs> and also get a packet of M and M's. Shove them onto it. Done. Or Cold Rock. Have you ever been to Cold oh, Rock? Oh yeah, I like a bit of Cold Rock. Is this Cold Rock seems to me to be a P Murray paradise. Oh, I loved it. But that said, a friend of mine said to me, uh, and he's, he'll be listening to the potty, so I'll hold off on his name. But you know who you are. Mm. Said to me, hey, my son, do you reckon you can get access to 50 grand? And I said, well, no, but mm. out of interest, why? I reckon we should open a cold cream oh, oh. place. You'd have... said, Just because I'm a customer doesn't mean I know. <laughs> like, I like flying in planes. Doesn't mean I know how to fly one. Yeah, exactly. And if you opened a cold rock, there would be absolutely zero Mark Burros style managing going on and a lot of hom, hom, <laughs> One for hum. you, one for me, one for you, one for me. Follow the guys on Twitter at Paul and Rach. Rach, get ready for a uh, new line to be added to the tombstone. <gasps> Paul Murray. Celebrity gardener. <laughs> All right, two things not true about that. One, not a celebrity. Two, not, not a, a gardener. gardener. Buying a knee mat from Flower Power does not make you a gardener. <laughs> Correct. And doing what I do, it not make me a celebrity. Anywho. Um, we've got a pot plant out the front of our house. And for about a year, there's been this twig-like thing that sits there. And occasionally I spray water at it thinking maybe it'll come back to life. But... I do not have such sustained powers. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, gone off and gone, all right, it's time for us to get something else. Mm -hmm. Didn't do much reading about what's going to be good for the space. This is important. Your pre-research, this is what I find when you're purchasing a plant, very important because there's a lot of difference between sun and shade and part shade. Correct. And if you don't buy the right plant for the right area... Well, tomorrow she'll be dead. Yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. All right. So I was, I was, you know, I was sh- shopping for some lady antebellums. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, and I've got what I want is one of those ones that's got. I'm going to say stick, but it's trunk, isn't it? But a stem. plant doesn't have a yeah. A stem. Okay, stem. Mm-hmm. I like those ones where basically there's a long stem and then there's like. You know, a little sort of ball of green at the top. I think that's a topiary tree. Is it? I think I don't know. I'm going to look that up on I Google. I thought topiary was something that you dip prawns in. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to look. Wait a second. Okay. Let me see. Hang on. T-O. <laughs> Here. These things. Topiary tree. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Well, I didn't know it was called a bloody topiary tree. <laughs> I've just gone in and I think I might have found the one place left in modern Australian culture where if you don't know what you're talking about, there is some tutting that goes on. The nursery. Oh, yes. Now, normally, now it used to be like that with mechanics, but they've all sort of cleaned up their act. Mm-hmm. Largely car sales, you know, all of that stuff's gone, and yeah. they're very pro-family. You go into an old-school hardware store or you go into a nursery and not quite know what you're looking for, they could just spit upon you. Because this is still an artisanal world. Yes. I mean, they are the blacksmiths of our day. <laughs> you know, you're not in Bunnings with somebody who got a job there because they're studying at university and they kind of hope that they'd make it onto the television advertisements. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah desperately hoping. <laughs> you know, you are talking to a bloke who used to yell at Burke's backyards when Don got it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> absolutely. So I've gone in and instantly. Recently, I have realised I'm fish out of water. I'm in the wrong place here. Confidence levels, you know, just like, you know, Obi-Wan turning down the the tractor beam. (laughs) You know, it's not good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, the first plant that I think sort of looks like what I now know to be a topiary tree. Yeah. I've just grabbed and gone, yeah, I might just uh, grab that one, mate. And he's gone, "Um, how big's the area that you want to put it in? Mm -hmm. Remember, I'm pot planting this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I said, oh... 
you know, probably front yard, lots of sun. Yeah, well, it can grow to about nine metres. <laughs> I've gotten, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know that. That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> now you're doing the quick calculations. Where else can I put yeah, it? Correct. And I've just gone. Um, look, out of interest, uh, we've got a bit of uh, <laughs> got a bit of Renos happening at the house, <laughs> so I might just have to put it in a uh, pot for you know a couple of months. P.S. Isn't out of interest the great Band-Aid when you need it? <laughs> Look, uh, out of interest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and he's gone, no, it's all right. It'll sort of be about same height, maybe about you know, half a metre more. But you can't keep it in a pot for too long. I said, why? What happens? The roots are really powerful and they'll just break it. So what did I do? I went, yep, that's the one I'll buy, thanks, mate. Oh, no. And I put it in a pot and we'll see what happens in 10 years' time. Okay. And P.S., it costs $200. $200? Is that how much a pot plant costs? And you didn't even buy the right one. Well, I didn't realise. I thought, maybe that's what... I have never bought a damn topiary tree in my okay. life. Okay, let me tell you what you need to do now. Because you've spent $200 on a pot plant, you need to adopt the Rachel Corbett School of Gardening. Okay. And that says that even when that pot plant dies, which, considering your green thumb, is an inevitability, mm. you need to get your money's worth and hang on to that just thinking that it might come back to life. <laughs> Let me show you yeah. an example. Excuse me. you can. I'm just going to walk over to my dining room. So this is Rachel Corbett, Celebrity Gardener. Yeah. You're, I'm going to show you what you're going to have to do. Have a look at this pot plant that I have in my dining room. You okay. ready? All Describe right. to the dear listener. Okay. Oh, what about the pair of pants you've got on? Those are great. She's got a pair of trackies on, but uh, <laughs> they're still tight enough. We're ready for the Romeo? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. There would be about 20 very dead sticks <laughs> with very sad, forlorn leaves. This looks like the pop plant that was left over after the nuke went off on Terminator 2. <laughs> I reckon it's going to come good. <laughs> guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. From time to time you have had a crack at me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. With love. <laughs> For potentially being a racist. Uh, well, all I'll say is the evidence speaks for itself. Oh, shut up. You have used terms such as those people did many, not. many times. Your uncomfortable reference to smell as some I sort never. of an indicator. I never. I mean, I, I mean I, I'm uncomfortable sometimes. I'll be honest with you. I didn't mean to play this out so publicly. <laughs> we have walked into hallways and you've gone, this smells like cabbage. I've ne- gone, whoa, 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 whoa. I never did. You can't make such racial assumptions. That was regional radio story time with the rotten tandoori in the backseat. <laughs> I have noticed in the last couple... In the you last, are getting racist? No, no, no. In oh. the last week... I have had two shining examples of why you can never judge a book by its cover in the race department. Okay, good. There's stuff I want to say, but I'll get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I took a cab the other day. Yes. With a delightful gentleman. We were having a few discussions about, obviously, the crisis at the moment with ISIS and things. This guy was a Muslim and a very lovely bloke. Said with a little bit of aggression. (laughs) Did not. I think actually, just I don't know if we can go back in the tape. <laughs> I did not. Okay. Anyway, he was talking he's about a what? Oh, he's a Muslim. Okay, now you're just being a bit apologetic. I'm not. You understand Islamic State is a very serious problem. I know, and he was saying to me that the problem with Islamic State. Let me guess. 
America? No, is that it's giving Muslims a bad name. He's saying that, you know, I believe in the Quran. The Quran says you need to look after your neighbours. He's like, why are these people from Australia going over to fight? Correct. You're supposed to be taking care of your neighbours, respecting the law of the land, all of that kind of stuff. He made a very intelligent argument and he was delightful. And I had a great time talking to him. Now, the racist bit is that you were surprised by that. No, the racist bit <laughs> is that I'm chatting to him. I said, how long have you been driving a cab for? He said, about seven years. I said, okay. Oh, now, my assumption oh, is... Oh, no. Oh, no. You're a cab driver. Oh, you know what this bloke did? My bottom's tightening. Doctor. Oh, yeah, I hate this. I This is heartbreaking. Doctor and a science teacher. Yeah, correct. And he can't get a job over here doing either, so he's driving a I, cab. I don't get how there's not like a six-month course you can do... Oh. That's going to say, all right, here's the hygiene standard that's different or the the standard for this and the other. But basically, the racist bit is suggesting that the knee bone is connected to the, you know, yeah. is different yeah. among any different country. My little heart broke. <sighs> the other guy I met was an Italian bloke, lovely guy, washing dishes at my best mate's cafe. He's standing there washing the dishes. You There's think no need for you to do the fake moustache. No, I did Little, not. you know, Italian. <laughs> like, they don't all have moustaches, Rachel. I didn't. Anyway, my, my mate says, have a guess what he did back in Italy. Plumber. <laughs> no, I, I got no idea. He said, I was a video editor. And my friend said, ask him what he edited. I said, what did you edit it, Luca? Hey, I'm making a pizza. <laughs> That's racist, Rachel. <laughs> he edited pornos. <laughs> <laughs> How is that skill not transferable? <laughs> Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Oh, Rach, you know I'm all in on Virgin Australia. Yes. Massive fan. Mm-hmm. Jetstar is pipping the post, though, Uh-oh. on the matter of overhead luggage. You know this is such a bugbear. This shit. <laughs> it's <been a> <laughs> yeah. The number of people who take, uh, you know, a cricket tour bag. Mm-hmm. Um, they take, you know, they they, they, they take these, you know, virtually body bag size things. Mm-hmm. Shove them into the overhead locker. Shove them into somebody else's overhead locker and go. Oh well, I'm done. Yeah, totally. the system only works if you stick to your bit. I stick to my bit, and basically, we only bring what can damn well fit. Mm-hmm. Jetstar is now gonna either hire special people or get their people to do something extra. No doubt, at cost to the customer, mm-hmm. um, to enforce luggage rules to make sure that. If the right bag goes in the right spot, we all move on. Oh, no. Are you somebody who likes to flout this? I sometimes pack over the 10 kgs. Yeah, well, no, weight's fine by me. But are you the type of person who thinks that a a Coles recycle bag is apparently okay to take on a plane. No. I am the type of person that packs a an overhead compartment size piece of luggage, but packs so many heavy things in there and then gives myself scoliosis as I pretend <laughs> it's not heavy because sometimes you need to pack a little extra shit. Okay, I've got an idea. Another Paul and Rach billion dollar idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's create a service where it's, you know, like the overflow service, right? Mm-hmm. So we have already sort of plastic boxes, right? And for like five bucks, we'll say, look, put all your extra shit in here and then you can check that on the plane. But isn't that just extra luggage? Yeah, but <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah, but where, why did Jetstar let us come on the plane? Why? I, look, it's not... <laughs> I haven't had it on a whiteboard the whole day. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. It's been a while.
while since we've done this, P. Murray. Culture. Culture. With our favourite person to talk about in the pop culture segment, the disgusting mess that is, have a guess, uh, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> we got there in the end. Now, Miley Cyrus, what a mess of a thing. The woman who, like Kesha, wears bin juice as a perfume, has turned up to Alexander Wang's... I don't know, opening fashion week oh, party the or whatever. The wangster, the wang the wangadoodle. Uh, <laughs> in nothing but pants and nipple tassels. Ugh, yuck. Yuck. It's two on show. She's so unattractive. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she had Kate Upton's face or something, but it's just a mess. It's just unnecessary and too much. Do you know what? I mean, this clearly makes the news, right? I mean, yeah. it's everywhere. And, and to be honest, you know, you've got to keep yourself in the papers to keep yourself relevant. So I understand that that is a part of it. But don't you reckon it would be bigger news if she turned up in something demure? Absolutely. You know, like yeah. if she turned up in a neck-to-knee ensemble that ra- rivaled Downton Abbey, I mean, that would be front page news. You want attention? Rock up in that, Miley. Just put your tits away. Absolutely. In terms of, you know, her sexual appeal, Mm. it's like somebody at Woolies when you walk past says, oh, would you like to uh, try one of these new things? No, no, I'm fine, thanks. Um, Really, would you like to? And like shoving the product into your pocket. Absolutely. But not only that, they're shoving an old sausage that's been sitting out there for nine (laughs) hours and shriveled. Like that is Miley Cyrus, you know? She's a shriveled old sausage that's being served to you by a shriveled old woman. Isn't she like 22? Nothing to do with it. Isn't she 22? Yes, she is. Shriveled (laughs) and old. Follow the guys on Twitter at Paul and Rach. Rachel, I can't believe just sitting around your house here are the celebrity nude photos from last week. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's like they were meant to be talked about on the radio today. Have you got that? I don't. Uh, Okay, now, Kate Upton. Yeah. Whoa, look at those mams. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, more to come. That's Kate again. Oh, no, you've got to be kidding me. Yes. Jennifer? No! Okay, now, I don't necessarily oh. think that's saucy. Let's have a chat about the bra pull-down. I don't know why that is a move that people find attractive. Yeah, it's, I've got to say, when I saw it, I thought borderline Miley Cyrus-y. It was a bit like... Ugh. It's just lazy undressing. Uh, then know? there's the slightly drunk look. However, the piece de resistance... Before you show me that and give them the reaction, you know my thoughts on, on sort of sexy selfies to begin with? Yeah. If you are a celebrity... Why do you do this? Why do you do this? The thought that this is not going to come out, and especially in the days of the cloud, nobody, I don't reckon even... Steve Jobs up there knows how this shit's working, and he's sitting on it. Correct. Nobody knows how it works, so why are you saving anything to your phone? Okay, Kate Upton. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. That was a photo that we can't even describe that was on her phone. We can't describe this at all, but all I'm going to say is, you know that term, pearl necklace? Think pearl cape. (laughs) 
the guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. And that's our show. Thank you very much for listening. Oh, by the way, if everyone just quickly wants to feel old, mm. on this day, and we're recording this on the 8th of September, mm-hmm. Peter Brock died in 2006. Wow. Can you believe it's, what, it was six years? Wow. Seven years? So, uh, uh, eight years. Eight years. <laughs> Jesus. We're both a little tired. Eight years. Eight years. And that's eight years since Steve Irwin. Wow. And Bindi Irwin is in the news today, like apparently in love with an assistant or something. I look forward to da- the da- time when Bindi Irwin's brother, what's his name, Bob? Bobby. Bobby, uh, stops getting the bowl cut. I look forward to the time when the kids can make their own decisions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's yeah. just a slight, I mean, a horrible family tragedy, yeah. but there's that part of you that just goes, I reckon they're going, I want to be. How old to leave home? 15, nine yeah. months. Okay. Old fringy. Oh. Uh, she's got, she's really got dance mum written all over her, doesn't she? She's <laughs> oh, just, oh, she's, I reckon she's doing Bob's hair. With that fringe, I reckon she's doing Bob's I hair. I reckon they're just letting her. the Crocs do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's what dad would have wanted. Just going, no, Dad didn't cut hair like this. This is rubbish. So usually we finish off the podcast with a bit of story time, but today we thought we'd do things a little differently because of the passing of the delightful Joan Rivers. We thought we would replay our chat that we did with her on our night show. It was just one of the loveliest, most honest, open conversations we really ever had, yeah. I think, with a single celebrity that we spoke to. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where you can never say it enough when somebody like this dies, which is, you know, just thanks for the laughs. Mm-hmm. You know, funny, nice, generous lady. Keep her art alive because she was really awesome. Definitely. We'll see you next week. Bye. A couple of weeks ago, Rachel and I were lucky enough to go and see a documentary that has been made about her life. It's called Joan Rivers, A Piece of Work. And this morning, very early this morning, while you were <laughs> sleeping, we had the chance to talk to this wonderful lady who has done so much with her life. She's won Emmy Awards. She's, of course, you know, met every celebrity that's possible. She's been a stand-up since the 60s. She had her own talk show. She was best friends with freaking Johnny Carson. And then imagine this. She's now fallen so low that she's going to talk to us. I know. Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> but you know how wonderful it is because you're paying for this call. I'm not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the doco has just been released in America, and I was reading. You know, it's getting A pluses in Entertainment Weekly. I mean, these are huge reviews for a story that has, of course, so many bad reviews in it. None of us know what happened. You know, the moral of this whole thing is: if you live long enough, eventually they come around. <laughs> <laughs> There's a real sense of vulnerability, I think, about you in the film, which a lot of people are obviously going to be very surprised about when they see. Was it difficult for you to watch a lot of it back? And that's a wonderful question. I don't like watching it because there are parts of it that really upset me. They followed me around 14 months, and I, I think what they picked was absolutely spot on what they should have picked. Real sense you get from the doco is that you never held back. I mean, what resistance was there for you when you're out there telling, you know, uh, menstruation jokes or sex jokes? Like, how well, tough was, was it? I was always talking a little bit ahead of my time. And, of course, as the times got rougher, you talk about much stronger subjects, but uh, I never held back. I always thought if I'm going to be on stage, you should have respect for the audience and tell them the truth. Never do a mother-in-law joke unless you really have a mother-in-law is what I always say. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's something that comes out from the film too about the fact that you are a complete workaholic and a lot of people won't realise how much work you put into each and every joke. And one of the most amazing scenes is when you're going through all of the cards in the library of jokes. There was one sticker I noticed on there that said Tony Danza. Have you got an entire drawer full of Tony Danza gags? No, I, I looked at it too after I saw it in the film. So I looked under Tony Danza and had one joke 
look for him. Wait till everyone finds out that he's not Italian, because his whole career has been based on being this hot Italian guy. And so it wasn't even a good joke. But, you know, I put it in, and I filed it. There's a real sense that you are an incredible workaholic and that, you know, you're always trying to be the best and be on top. But, I mean, having been in this industry for so long, obviously you love it, but there's also a case of necessity. You know, it's very hard to sort of go and work as an accountant now. You know, you live a certain way, you want to keep living that way, and you have to exactly. keep you have to keep up with it. Do you still enjoy it or do you feel a bit lost in the industry sometimes because it is often such a struggle? Critics have the right to say what they like, but uh, I don't know who it was. Somebody, I think it was Olivier, that said if they could do it, they wouldn't be criticised. Yes, yes, exactly. Absolutely. The same goes for ridiculous morons, you know, shirtless, pantsless uh, blokes sitting in their undies mucking around on the internet too, just constantly ripping everyone apart. And it's so easy to rip. You know, we could take the Bible now and say, I don't like some of the names of the books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, 66 books. Jesus, that's too much. Yeah. Too much, too much. Nobody's going to read it. But Harry Potter only had seven. And she should have stopped after six also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Joan, a huge part of the uh, the movie, there's a, well, the scene that knocked me over, was when you're sitting there just signing check after check after check yeah. after check. Because I know a whole bunch of people work for you in all the different areas. But how can you tell the difference between somebody who works for you and somebody who's just mooching off you? I don't know. I think uh, most people that work for me, this so much work to be done they can't mooch you know what I mean and I watch what's in the refrigerator (laughs) I make sure (laughs) talking with Joan Rivers the comedy icon her movie is called A Piece of Work and a big thing that we know about Joan Rivers is that she hates when people compliment her on what she used to do Mm. not what she actually is which is still a working comic who kills it on stage the minute somebody is over with they all come over and say oh you open the door because I'm here and you're not. And you want to say, sweetheart, I can take you with a hand behind my back still. <laughs> if they say to me, oh, boy, you were in your time, oh. they're going to die right there. <laughs> they're not going to finish the sentence. What about, like, just uh, performers that you know that have ridiculous affectations? I mean, like the Johnny Carson stuff, the fact that... Well, uh, let's start with Russell Crowe. Yeah. Let's just start with the affect. You know, oh, the, no. Russ is a real bag to people that work for him. What have you seen? He's just, I've seen him be very, 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 very rude to people that were in a gym one time, very rude to a makeup girl another time. And that, you know, that's how you judge you judge somebody when they, they're being rude to someone that can't answer them back. Absolutely. Well, obviously we couldn't talk to you without discussing what you are maybe most famous for at this point in time, and that is your mild obsession with plastic surgery. Have you ever regretted getting all of the procedures done? I only regret that I can't find a doctor that can do underarms. <laughs> <laughs> I only regret <laughs> I'm looking for that magical doctor that could take away those big, humpy, lumpy things. I'm sure <laughs> That's there's a my few. Only regret. I'm sure there's some panel beaters in New York that have put you up on a hoist. I'm, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, I, I'm fascinated by uh, talk shows. It's not really a massive thing in Australia. We've only sort of had a few every now and then. But Johnny Carson, who was uh, to Australian audiences here, Joan, is the equivalent of of, of, of Graham Kennedy here, a legendary yes, uh, yes. P- performer of all time. When he turned around and basically hung up on you, rang up and hung up on you again when you left his show, 
Did you stop loving him at that moment? Because that is the most, that's the cruelest thing I've heard about your entire career. No, I'll give you crueler with him. He introduced me to my husband, and when my husband committed suicide shortly thereafter, he never even sent a note. Oh. So, uh, because... And I was so hurt by him. I, mm. I couldn't believe he was finishing me. I don't get it. But again, he was basically a comedian. Comedians are very weird people mm. and were very competitive. You don't reach the top by being a nice guy. Mm. Even you... Hitler might not have ended up with his own show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he, was, <laughs> if he was mean enough. Okay, so who's nasty, Leno or Hitler? I think probably Satai. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it hard to make real friends? Yes. It's hard to be friendly with someone in the same field that you're in. And you find your friends are just from a long time. I mean, my close friends are friends now for 20 years, 30 years. And it's sad because at this age, they're dropping like flies. (laughs) (laughs) So now that this film has come out in the States, I mean, are you getting more stand-up gigs? Is there any chance, please, 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 that you might come to Australia again? Oh, I'm definitely going to Australia next year again. Right. Right. Well, wherever you are, make sure you come and visit us, Joan, because we love you. you You have no choice. I really have a great time you two so smart you have no idea what a pleasure it was to talk to you and i will i will definitely come on in person because i always love to see what people look like after you've spoken to them oh good well hang on let's 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 play a game then what do you think rachel looks like i think she's very tall very thin huge undulating breasts (laughs) wonderful angelina jolie lips (laughs) hair that moves when she talks naturally we are going to play this to you when you come in next year, and I tell you what, you're going to be, Joan Rivers, disappointed. Because you've described me perfectly. <laughs> Great talking to both of you. You're listening to Paul and Rach. Love for sale, advertising, yummy. Love for sale.